Hello and welcome back to Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast. That's us. Yes, it is. The discussion always on Chainsaw Duel. Motley Crew t-shirts. Women getting burned alive. It's about fire. The cleansing power of fire. It's about King Crimson. Yes, it is. I am one of your co-hosts, Ryan Snyder, and with me as always... Hello, I'm Gabriel Mara. I am your co-host on this journey as per usual. I do comedy, I do movies, and I do podcasts. Ryan, where might people know you? Uh, Bartender extraordinaire, food truck owner, sometimes chef, and all-around movie nerd. Yeah, I can dig it. Ryan, how's life? Uh, Life is good. Um, It's early. This is one of the earliest recordings we've done in a while. Yes. Hence the coffee and the... Tired looks on everyone's faces. Yes. I was asleep about 20 minutes ago. I was awake before you. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Mm. We have guests. We have guests. Hello, guests. Hi, guys. We have... Oh, well, you were just here, guest number one. But it's been a while since we've had you, guest number two. Oh, well, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we have the, the full Lethal Weapon gang back together. Hey, hey. Yeah, it's been like over a year. Has yeah. It? Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, let's do a heist. A caper. Yeah. We've been doing the show for over a year, right? Is that wild? Mm-hmm. We're alive. Almost two. Oh fuck. Yeah. Time she flies, guys. <laughs> yes, please introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Ryan Hill, um, programming director at Arts Quest. Uh, I run the uh, Frank Banco Ale House Cinemas in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, also do other stuff there, including comedy and etc. Things. Rad. I'm Stephen Bost, traveler, lover. Trivia host, and one day I'll be a comedian and playwright again. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Welcome back, boss. Thank you. Gentlemen, we did a movie. We did a movie. (laughs) The movie did us. Yeah, it certainly did a number on us. I think this is going to be a slightly truncated episode. Um, We're hungover and um, put people in places to be. I got thoughts. Yeah, but boss This doesn't turn off till I got them. It's time for our favorite segment, Boss Thoughts. (laughs) The Mighty Mighty Boss Thoughts. (laughs) There it is. We did a movie, however. What was it called, Ryan? Mandy. Trailer. What are you gonna do with that thing? We're going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil. 
love. Oh man, they wronged you. You exceed the cosmic darkness. It glowed from within. Strange and eternal. I actually really do like that trailer. I have not seen the trailer. I deliberately missed it because I was waiting for the movie itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we did Mandy. Mm. Who wants to tell the story of Mandy? I feel like she comes down to one of our guests. I'll, I'll do that since Boss has all the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandy uh, starts, it's set in uh, 1983. It's the woods. They don't really give us a uh, location uh, per se. It's just, you know, it's the woods. And there's a, a couple living in a... Pretty beautiful house. Pretty great. Pretty, pretty like nice house. Cabin? Yeah, it's very yeah. nice. They've got a a room that, that skeeves the hell out of me, um, <laughs> just even though I grew up in the woods, but maybe it's because I grew up in the woods, where they have a bedroom that's just, you know, uh, what is it, glass walls, essentially. Yeah. You know, kind of just, you know, jutting out uh, into that. And so it's a it's a couple, of course, the uh, the, uh, the the man in the couple is Nicolas Cage. Um, uh, the, the actress, uh, her name is escaping me. Andrea Riseborough. Yes, plays the the title uh, character uh, in this, and she uh, she's an aficionado of uh, '80s metal band T-shirts ripped off the sleeves, and, uh, and is a uh, and is drawing too. She she seems to be a pretty uh, get to the death cult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting it up, boss. You just want to hear your thoughts, don't you? You just. <laughs> He just wants to tell us all about Jeremiah and his word. Yes, exactly. Yes, uh, so while they're having this... Oh, and by the way, Nicolas Cage, a lumberjack, uh, which is established right off the bat. Uh-huh. Um, a lumberjack with a fondness for a 44 shirt that we'll have to talk about uh, yeah. in a little bit, too. And so then, yes, uh, in the meantime, uh, a, a cult uh, is uh, neighbors in the area, and... Uh, the, the head of the cult sees Mandy on a uh, dusty road at one point in time, decides he must have Mandy, and uh, hilarity ensues. So much hilarity. Mm-hmm. Deep belly laughs. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to like to do the whole plot or not. No, no, we're not. I think we can yeah, we don't cover the plot. Yeah, it don't want to spoil it. It just came out. It's kind of essential. Well, you're right, but essential to what I want I think, to talk about. I think, um, so, let's do some light thoughts before, then, you know, we'll be like, hey, now it's spoiler talk time. Okay. But, Ryan, so are you the only one here who's seen it before? I <clears throat> saw it on Friday. Because mm. I had a day off from bartending. Yeah, I, I was nothing surprised. To do. I was very confused. So I just went to go see it. And, uh, yeah, I actually kind of like it. Kind of like or, it? Yeah, I, I, I don't hate it at all. I okay. Actually, I actually kind of really like it. Okay. Because it's... You guys don't like it for different reasons from mm-hmm. just the light talk we had earlier, but I see it as a boss, you and I were talking about this, your distaste for nostalgia, but it's kind of like, I see it as a, a, a 2018 movie trying to imitate like a movie made in like 81 that you would only find on like the sci-fi channel at like one in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from it. And I don't look at it any deeper than that. I just see it as like a fun exercise and like cult like i guess maybe nostalgia yeah no yeah you're right because this is what the kind of movie uh cosmatos probably came up on i mean mm-hmm. his dad was yeah. director of rambo 2 and cobra yeah so 
Imagine uh, what that video shelf looked like at home. And it's it's documented that that's his his jam. He loves those movies from the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, yeah. this is just basically his. I, if you treat it just as an homage to that, I think you can enjoy this movie very much. And that's yeah. where I stopped. Yeah. I, I, I like reading into it based on the like we talked about last night, the ending visuals. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it's just I see it as a dumb horror movie. <laughs> We're up to our. We're up to our balls in that now, in this 80s pastiche. Like, Stranger Things is that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ready Player One is that. Yeah. And this is, I found Ready Player One, the book, to be cookie cutter. Like, maybe uh, for young, it's like for three-year-olds. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, this pastiche of 80s, and I read up on all the little references, you know, like the, oh, the title of the book and this and that. It's, that's a reference to Phantasm, et cetera. Oh. So, like, the more I learned about it, the more annoyed I got at uh-huh. just what a little Easter egg filled little basket it was. And the company that made it is a um, fan funded studio. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. kind of cool. So, yeah. They're getting what they wanted, obviously. I don't, I, I, Steve, you and I have had that, I think we've had this conversation before, but I, you know, I, I, I'm always mystified by your anger at nostalgia to a certain extent <laughs> because it, it, this is so uh, cyclical. It happens all the time. Basically, all, you know, uh, a, a, there's always a nostalgia for like 20 it's why like you know like when my wife is watching Friends even though you know she was 5 or 6 when it was was on or whatever uh, there's always these things so you know uh, people who grew up in that time are now in the director's chairs and producer's chairs mm-hmm. and so of course they're going to want and it's one of those things that we do often to uh, to help us deal with tough times is to go back to things that made us happy in our childhood oh, I get and it. I so get it. It, this is you know to to uh, to, to bemoan that there's the, this glut it's just well you know it's out there you can choose to not I come from Take watch things too. Yeah, I do. But like, I'm interested in in the march forward of you know progress and art. And so, like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep praise on something that decides to turn and and go backwards. Like, that's that's never gonna be great and emblematic of its time. If 25 years from now we're gonna look back and say like, wow, Mandy really really spoke to 2018. No, I don't think that. But also. Uh, I, the one question I do have is, I don't understand. This movie didn't have to be set in 1983. Uh-huh. It really didn't. Uh, again, in my mind, there's there's nothing in there that it, it, it could well, have been. They wanted that sweet synthesizer score. which They could have that <laughs> without it. They could just stylize it. So my feeling is that, I, I agree if you boss well, to a degree, I think that if you're going to rehash... Boy, that's a loud That's not in your head. That's yeah, real that, life. That's uh, Jean and... Uh, yeah, yeah, she's been doing lawn work. They, they, she loves her lawn work and she loves that leaf blowing. Yeah, we record in the daytime when everyone else should be working. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think if you're going to bring back the past, we're going to rehash something. I kind of hope that you push it forward mm. in a way that I feel mm. like if you're doing something old, you have to make it new again in a way. And I, I, I can see the purpose of what you'd want to do, Ryan, like what, what Cosmatos does. Panos Cosmatos, which is a great fucking name. Amazing name. Amazing name. That makes me hungry. I, I, nice. I, I, I understand the desire to slavishly recreate something or like do your own take on something old, but you don't have to bring back the bad conventions of something. You might want to take, mm. take the good and leave what didn't work to make something better. Or you, you play off something rather than make a it's hard to get into the, without the spoiler talk. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, how I apologize. I, I haven't <clears throat> had a chance to listen. How how 
deep are we allowed to get into it? Because I know that the one thing that bothered you and I think that you want to talk about is a very key plot point. Yeah. But I also don't think that that really spoils the movie for anybody no, too it's like drastically. Half the way, it's halfway through. Um, you know, let's go, let's go ahead and start spoiling. Might as well. Because people can, it's you can get this on uh, VOD, I think. You can yeah. download it already. So, yeah, true. spoiler talk in three, two, one. Uh, I very, very desperately hate that they kill off Andrew Riseborough, that it becomes that movie. It becomes the movie where Jeremiah, the cult leader, because she laughs at his dick, which is... Literally, yeah, literally. Yeah, she literally laughs at his dick. Uh, they would... burn her alive in front of him. They girlfriend the refer- like refrigerator her just uh-huh. to like make like Nicolas Cage give him motivation to act. Yeah. And I am really, really bummed by that. That is the most boring place this movie could have gone, and I, I respect you want to you want to play on an old convention, but leave that behind. You're not doing anything interesting by doing that. I agree with you completely because she could, you could, Nicolas Cage could get to that with her just being kidnapped or yes, whatever, or exactly. you know, just keeping her alive and able to like maybe kick some ass too, yeah, to assist him in kicking the ass. That would have moved the movie forward into 2018. Exactly. That I I completely agree. You, with you, need, you needed the girl in the 44 shirt. Laughing at a guy's small dick. <laughs> yeah, I need that great. politically yeah. resonant moment. Yeah. And that that's beautiful, and that's we talked about that too. I I feel that that <clears throat> I I'd love to know, but I'm sure that 44 is a reference to Obama. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought this up. That was the other point I, I, I wanted to get to. Is that like, yeah, nostalgia is good and pastiche of like you know like the uh, the, the brothers who did Stranger Things. What was their name? Uh, Duffer, Duffer Brothers. Duffers. Thank you. There's there's subversion. Of mm-hmm. old tropes, and I don't think there's anything that sub- <coughs> is subverted in this movie. There's no, no, there's no twist where well, it turns out that um, you know, oh well, the woman is uh, actually was you know orchestrating the whole thing, or she was never dead, or anything mm. like that. That is just every beat follows exactly what you think it will, which was also my complaint with Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, almost no turnarounds. Yeah, I did not like that movie. Especially if you were going to name the movie Mandy. Exactly. That, that's bother? the thing that it, it's basically this movie is the, the most cynical way to look at this movie is it's just an excuse to get to that scene in the bathroom with Nicolas Cage having that two minute mm-hmm. anger ramp Vod- up. Vodka. Yeah, yeah. there's vodka. He's pouring it on his wounds. He's drinking it. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's it's a very interesting scene. I I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And of course we're you know, we got to get to the you know the the probably for me the best scene and what many people think is the best scene is of course the chainsaw duel. Yeah, you know, that that was. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long chainsaw, but it's it's a but it's also like a long way to get there, and you didn't have to kill her to get there, and yeah. also name the movie. Like those, yeah, those are the things that that those are the cliches that did not need to stay. Yeah, I, I was, I it, I wasn't even that impressed by the action, to be honest. No, no, no. I thought that was just kind of too dark, too fast, not that well directed. It's For, only his second. Uh, Future as a director. Yeah, yeah. yes. 2010 was his last film, and I'm yeah. blanking on it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I walked I in. I, I, you know, I try not to walk into a movie and judge it based on what I want it to be, because that's not fair to a movie. But at the same time, exactly. Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, oh, Beyond the Black oh Rainbow. Um, <clears throat> if there's anything like, the if anything I can really appreciate for the movie, it is that I think it's it's pretty generally visually pretty interesting. That's the yes. score is great. Like, yes. like his last score too, Johan Johansson. Oh yeah, Johan Johansson. Yeah. yeah, that was impressive. 
It was just I I liked the glacial pace and mm-hmm. I liked the the oh, slow <laughs> expressive like color swirls and king crimson etc. I but I just may think of the uh, what you guys were calling the bathroom the the Kubrick bathroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is like very much like uh, like. Kubrick styling of slow and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, I can actually see a lot of influences from like the shining mm-hmm. on that and that opening because that was frustrating me. The uh, the the lack of editing in that first half of the movie, the mm-hmm. things could have been a little bit tighter. But I see, I can see a stylistic <laughs> choice. It's just not a choice. Yeah. I, halfway through the movie, before we you know got to the to the killing. I was kind of regretting some things because I'm the one who put the movie into the uh, the cinemas. But at the same time, people have been very happy with it. Like, I don't regret actually programming the damn movie. It's just that uh, I was like, this is taking a long time to get to the point where Mm -hmm. we know we need it to get to. Cut cut 20 minutes from it, I I might have maybe liked it a little. I think, like, studio-wise, there's probably, like, you could either go the route of, like, having Panos, like, do this whole thing, like off the chain this is your movie edit it where you want I think there's also a studio version of this where it's 90 minutes long with Metallica and uh-huh. like Ace of mm-hmm. Spades on Fair. the soundtrack so I mean it's there were, there's probably a great movie meeting in the middle ground. Yeah, probably. And there's going to be, and I think it's it's fair, there's going to be, a, and I, you're seeing it in just, you know, the reason I, I brought the movie in in the first place was that there were people who were hitting me up about it, sending emails. Like I, I, every so often I'll get emails about like a, a certain kind of movie and they, this one, this is, this was a little different. And I do think the thing I have to give this movie credit for is that it, it's so, you know, uh, very independent of that studio sort of thing. It's very, it's, it's still a, it's unique is not the right word for it, but it's, it's so confidently itself yeah. that, you know, some, there's going to be a small group of people who love this movie forever. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That, that's excellent. One. Yeah. Like I said last night, like my contrarian nature, once all you guys were like, wow, fuck that. I was like, oh, it really makes me love it more. <laughs> it's a very punk rock movie where it definitely does its own thing the mm-hmm. entire way through. And I definitely respect it for that. I just didn't, I, I, I pretty much did not enjoy this movie whatsoever. Yeah. I would say my enjoyment of it was limited to, just, you know, when you detach yourself enough from it mm-hmm. to realize just what Ryan was saying, when you just, if you can detach yourself enough from it to just realize that it's kind of an homage and, you know, I got some enjoyment out of the, uh, uh, the, uh, the action scenes and, you know, seeing now it's, you know, now we get into the, the, the category of just talking about what Nicolas Cage is doing with his damn career now, yeah. because now it's just like, and there's been stories about him just being out of money. So any director who's ever been a big fan, will just throw the most Nicolas Cage kind of role. Did you guys see the movie Mom and Dad from last year? No. I heard it was pretty fucked up. It's a messed up movie. And it is, but it's him. It's He's more Pete Cage, in my opinion, in that movie than uh-huh. this movie. Um, and when we say Pete Cage, I'm... Uh, I'm going with the Andy Samberg version of Get in the Cage. Like, uh-huh. yeah, he, he's the most Get in the Cage in that movie where he's literally him and his wife, Selma Blair, are looking to kill his kids because a epidemic has come across where all the parents want to murder their children. Okay. And so it's just basically this weird siege within their own house. Uh, and he is at his peak Get in the Cage there. This was a little more... <laughs> nuanced, if yep. you could even say. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you have the irony where you don't know if they're... It's going to get uncomfortable when you don't know if they're going for the laugh or not. Like, And I found it when he was forging that axe. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we all laughed. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's 
kind of badass too. Yeah. And that final scene of him in the car, like covered in blood, like yes. just like smiling maniacally at the camera. Like yep. you're really testing the limits on whether I'm thinking this is like you trying to get a, a brilliant performance right. out of it, or if mm-hmm. you're just like winking at the audience with like, hey, it's a crazy 80s movie and I got crazy Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Exactly. I think he couldn't decide. I think he wanted to have it both ways and just <clears> it, it, it seems a little muddled because of it. Boss, do you have more thoughts? Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, gosh, what else? <clears throat> kind of lost my train of thought on that. Mm-hmm. You, you just you just got me off because I'm thinking about uh, how Nicolas Cage over the years, even in, in more serious roles, would, would do his like maniacal laugh thing. Like He was never, often not on the same page as the director, tone-wise. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those takes would find themselves into the movie because they thought, like, well, we're going to get our money's worth out of this star. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I'm, now I'm wondering if, like, did, did Cage go into this thinking it was straight up serious, or did he have talks with the director about like we're gonna wink, so do what you do so well? I'm not sure he's that aware. <laughs> I don't know how aware he is. He may be. I yeah. don't know. Would this have been a better movie if, uh, as you said, uh, if Cage was playing the villain role? Oh, oh yeah. Remember yeah. that? I thought I at the end of the day though he wouldn't show his dick. <laughs> oh god no at the end of the day he, it would have been a, a disappointing second half for us because remember I think yeah. in the first half you get a we all more. go into this movie being like alright we're going to see Nicolas Cage Nicolas fucking Cage yeah you know we're going to see him get in the cage mm-hmm. um, but you don't see that in the first half in the first half it's just you know very but, subdued and yeah but we all sat there with that first scene where we get introduced to Jeremiah and we're like oh god Nick, you know I think boss you made the joke Nicolas Cage wanted this role I was serious actually yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm sure he would have for the first half but then the second half, you don't even see much of Jeremiah yeah, until no, like the very end. Yeah, it's yeah. one scene. It's yeah. basically it suddenly becomes Super Mario Brothers. It's just he's getting he's <laughs> uh-huh. got to work through everybody to get to the boss. Yeah, you know that's a good point. The IMDb tri- trivia tidbits, which I read, said I got it a little wrong. They they wanted Cage for the part of Jeremiah, and okay. he and he decided he wanted to play uh, Red instead. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, also, the trivia tidbits is interesting. Are clearly written by someone who's. First language is not English, uh-huh. which makes me wonder if it's one of, one of these like <laughs> that's awesome. like when the you know the guy writes the, his own Wikipedia bio uh-huh. that definitely came across. And I just uh, and you can delete this because this is a, a major spoiler, in, but it's a spoiler you see coming. To me, that was a very disappointing final death scene. Like, yeah, that, that was that the was like your dick thing. Yeah, is that what disappointed you about <laughs> it? No, I, I, no, no, no. I just mean overall, it just to me felt very anticlimactic. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard to find a, you, you kind of, uh, forgive the term, blow your load a little bit with the mm-hmm. um, the uh, chainsaw thing. And the, the movie never hits that level again. Yeah. <coughs> After that. It, it just comes to like a slow yes, down. Exactly. And it's a, a slow fade out. Yeah. Yeah. I I want I, I like I said I, I don't want to blame it for wanting more from it but you know I feel like it's so much of it is a wasted opportunity that like by 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 mm-hmm. killing Mandy in the middle of the movie you you rob it of anything more and like so I, at that point I'm like I don't care what happens now he's just gonna kill everyone yeah it, it then, becomes textbook after that exactly like it would have been much more exciting if you had taken this this format the grody 80s format and you applied it to your your save the princess thing where if there's there, there was no need to kill her there really wasn't and what a waste of energy arise bro Did, didn't you mention sorry I, I, no go on. you mentioned scott pilgrim at some point last night didn't yeah you? 
Like this was like the PG thirteen. Oh yeah, this, this is the, the, the darkest timeline version of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. So I will I will concede that too. It does become much less interesting of a movie after the after she dies. Yeah. Yep. This have you guys done Cobra on this podcast? No, no we okay. we can't. Yeah, let's do Cobra at some well, point. What I'm thinking about is, is as you when you choose like a like a Shane Black movie or you choose mm. an '80s selection if it's a Rambo yeah. or something, all of that '80s machismo that then has been since kind of um, not negated or subverted. Yeah. But when you pick those movies and you analyze them, there's a lot that they say about themselves, maybe unintentionally, mm-hmm. and you can get such good discussion out of it, like Cobra, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fascist elements of it. Yeah. I don't know that you can get anything out of this because it's a hollow, it's just scooping up all those things and then regurgitating them minus the like the 80s, the Reagan era 80s-ness mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, they, they, there's a clip of Reagan at some point in time where he's, uh, you know, it's just on the radio, it's early on where it's just like, Americans don't like pornography and don't yeah. like something else, I forget. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so there's a statement that's about to be said here. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't really, it never really comes no. to anything. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I, and I could have been, where's the beef commercial? Exactly. <laughs> I'm still wondering if the Reagan thing is supposed to be, con- I, I, you know, my biggest question, if I were to talk, if I had Panos right here, my first question would be, was the 44 thing a nod to Obama? Because that would at least give me a little bit of something to go back and watch. I, don't, I have no interest in going back and watching this movie, yeah. unless I'm majorly high at some mm-hmm. point in time. Um, unless he came back and said, oh yeah, the Obama shirt, is that, that's an Obama shirt. And then I go back and then I look for clues, and that would make the movie a little mm-hmm. interesting to me. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've I said it before, but I'm completely on board with the idea that if once you kill her in the middle, you've made this movie... Just cliche. Yeah. I, th- I think there is probably. I think there's. Ryan, more. defend yourself. I, no, I, I think with the, the 44 thing, I'm interested to like dive deep and look for interviews now because I think there is some sort of coded message in here mm-hmm. in like a shining way that we're just not seeing it. And you, we need to find that like cipher to get into it and then get massively it, high and rewatch it. Yeah. If it turns out that's the case, I'll, uh, I'll apologize and eat my words. I haven't really found any good Trump era art yet. Mm hmm. If this is an example. Listeners, right, right in. Yeah. All right, I can dig it. Um, so, do you want to um, administer our test, Ryan? Oh, yes. Uh, so, I'll, uh, I'll administer the, the, the KDK, and you can do the bar. Okay. All right, so, <clears throat> got a couple tests we start doing on the show to kind of analyze how we feel about these movies. The first one that uh, I'll tell you about is the KDK test. It's inspired by a young, uh, budding cinephile who, you know, Yes. Um, so basically, would you recommend this movie to someone, you know, 18 to 20 years old, just getting into film, maybe as a budding filmmaker or just budding uh, cinephile? Is this the kind of movie you would recommend they would go see? If so, what do you follow with, to pair it with? And if you don't recommend it, would you recommend something else instead? Oh, boy. All right. If I were to recommend it to an 18 to 20 year old, I would I would recommend it only to say... Here is, so I would recommend it as a study in light, uh, mm. in, in lighting, because that, that's the one, we didn't really get to, I think Gabe brought it up a little bit, the, the, the reds and everything in this are, are interesting, like visually mm. it is still very interesting. Some of these shots, there's that shot early on of them uh, in the, uh, the boat and, you know, it yeah, kind of pans that's back, a that's a beautiful shot. shot. Um, there's, there's definitely some, I think, um, physical things you can look at. I would pair it maybe... Um, and I, this is not my genre. I'm not very good at this genre. So mm-hmm. I would say 
what I would pair, I would caution it. It's exactly what Gabe and I have been saying that it doesn't really move anything forward. I would take it and pair it with Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, uh, and maybe say here's something that did. Here's a movie that did something with this genre and mm-hmm. and did and moved it forward. Um, Mandy doesn't. This does. That would be my pairing. But I, at the end of the day, yeah, I probably would recommend it to somebody eighteen and twenty watching. Okay. Um, if someone was majoring in score composition, oh, I yeah. might say I think maybe this the movie's its greatest '80s throwback element is that synth score, which mm-hmm. I mean it rules you. And there are almost moments where it's like, wow, you could even probably tone that down a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's it's a masterclass it yeah. in the synthesizer, uh, and and I guess it's really good in in pairing the scenes with the music. I don't know if he died. Before he, before it was done, no, he finished it. Okay, from everything I saw, he finished okay. it. Okay, well, he really synced it up well with what was going on. Um, but I would probably say the thing we just watched a few was it last week, two weeks ago, Manhunter oh, yeah. would be since it is made in that time. It is Michael Mann who's like quintessentially '80s and yeah. really really knew his thing. That would be how to truly show someone what a movie from the 1980s was, mm-hmm. and that actually had. Something not not essentially something to say, but how to uh, a movie is crafted. Yeah, that movie's a, that movie's a Swiss watch. Guess what I'm saying is, if someone was in a class and the professor said you need to make a five minute movie emulating the '80s, mm-hmm. you could watch these two and you could get a pretty good idea. Yeah, the, the technical <clears throat> elements that went into it makes sense to me. Um, I don't think I recommend this to a buddy cinephile. Like, if that person like wears a lot of like metal T-shirts, then sure. <laughs> if they smoke a lot of pot, sure. Then they're like, oh yeah, this is up your alley. If you love your carpenters, as your kind of thing. Oh, that's another funny comic. If you like the carpenters? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think if some, if I wanted to actively recommend something like this to someone, I'd probably go with Brawl on Cell Block Ninety Nine, uh, the Vince Vaughn film. Right. Right. Yeah, that is a movie that takes the violent conventions and goes and really updates it for today to make do something incredibly smart with that movie. It's viciously violent. The action is excellent. Everything about that movie is amazing. And it, it takes the same kind of violent man does something for love for his family. And I think he makes it something new again, which is what I'd hope this would be. Gotcha. Like I, I walked into this hoping it would be fun I didn't. It was not a fun movie. Yeah, it's this. I did the same thing. I think I came in being like, "All right, this isn't typically my genre, but I know this could probably be a fun watch." Mm-hmm. It wasn't. All, it wasn't all that fun. It was no, no. Con Air. No, exactly not. <laughs> I'll tell you um, this, if I may, real quick. Sure. I got a dynamite trivia question out of this. Okay. Which is, it would go something like, "Which one of these metal moves does has Nicolas Cage not done in a movie? Mm-hmm. Drink beer out of his vanquished enemy's skull." Uh-huh. Light a cigarette off his vanquished enemy's flaming decapitated head, mm-hmm. or C. I have to come up with that later. Shit. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I would recommend this uh, because this is totally my jam, my mm-hmm. genre. Um, something to go with it. Probably <coughs> one of our earlier picks, something like Sleepaway Camp. Mm-hmm. Something that's like firmly within the 1980s, like cult genre, and just is actually like really well crafted, just underseen. I'm going to throw up. Okay. Don't mind me. Continue the show. Badass. Yeah, metal. Um, yeah, show's continuing on. Uh, so the. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. We better. We need. Keep we need a leaf blower to cover that up. Yeah. Uh, so the next test we do is uh, the bar test. So uh, you walk. You walk into your favorite dive bar. You see this is on the TV. What are you ordering when you sit down? And how do you feel about this being on a set bar? Huh. 
I'll let you start with this one, Bob. Uh, is the sound on? The sound is probably not on, right? Yeah, it's not on, but you can ask for it to be on if you'd like. Well, that's I, I wouldn't inflict that on a whole bar full of people. I think that more often than, more likely than not, sound would be off, in which case this movie is majorly kneecapped, I yeah. think, right there. So, um, I would... We usually phrase it as, like, you're walking into, like, a dive bar, there's only, like, two or three people in there. Okay. Bartender has put this on for his own amusement. Right. So, at least you have, like, someone to talk to about whether mm-hmm. or not you like or hate this movie. And the question is, what do I drink, huh? Yeah, what, what, what drink pairs well with this? Um, I would say either Smirnoff Ice. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, some sort of boiler maker, perhaps? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's... Uh, we had a rye whiskey and uh, a great beer last night. Yeah, when we were watching this. Um, shout out to... Uh, was it Three Rivers? Uh, three, two, two, rivers, two, rivers. two Rivers. Sorry, wrong area of Pennsylvania. Uh, two Rivers uh, for, for that great uh, Banger-inspired beer or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's for me, that's all I can really associate it with. I thought that was like the perfect alcohol pairing that we could have for it. Just a good fucking... Uh, 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 legit like beer uh, with some bourbon. That's that's the way you got to watch this movie. Good beer and good bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you gotta. That's it. It wouldn't just be one or the other. I think you need both. Yeah. Now I need. I want to come up with a, a drink called the Chainsaw Duel. Uh huh. Leave it to us. We'll take care We're of this. Okay. Yeah. Gabriel. Um, bar test. Bar test. Um, if I saw this was playing, I'd be like, Hey, Mandy's on. And maybe, like, it, because I'm not actively choosing to watch it, I would sit back and enjoy it. But I'd probably walk out at some point. I, I wouldn't feel any agency or urgency to, like, stick around and, like, live through the movie again. But I feel like for this movie, I would just drink a lot of straight vodka. All right. Mm. Mm. Just pour it everywhere. <laughs> Into I your wounds. Am, yeah, I'm my wounds. ripping shots with the bartender. Because, like, point. dude, you put this on... Badass. Mm-hmm. Buy you a shot, whatever you want. Probably rye whiskey, under, underproof bonded. Yeah, buddy. Old, 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 old over old. Old, Bonded rye. Bonded rye. So I'm very happy that it's on, so I'm sticking around and just ripping shots at the bartender. I can dig it. Um, I think, yeah, we're just about out of time. Yeah. Let's um, wrap up the show. Oh, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Cool. Um, Plugs. Plug. Plugs. Yeah, I can. Uh, I host three trivias every week right here in Bethlehem. Hardball Cider on Tuesdays, Bethlehem Brew Works on Wednesdays, and Smarts Quest at the Steel Stacks Thursdays. Hey. Uh, SteelStacks.org slash film and SteelStacks.org slash comedy. I'll actually be teaching a seminar on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation uh, in December. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, let me see. Um, if the, yeah, that, that's about it for me. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please check out the Other Top Gallant Radio Show. It is Slow Readers, your weekly fast-paced literature podcast where Gallagher Gonzalez and I discuss only books and never, ever anything else, ever, literally. Um, besides that, uh, I don't know, follow this show on Instagram, on Sex and Violence Pod. And give us some stars, give us some rating reviews. We need you. Uh, follow me at Brogies Food Truck, B-R-O-G-I-E-S Food Truck. Also on Instagram at Tango Light Cash. Pictures of my cat, cocktails, and other random goofabouts. Also visit me at the bookstore, Speakeasy, 336 Adams Street. That's going to be Southside Buffalo, PA. Come on in. Have some gin. Let's in. Yeah. Great. All right. Good times, y'all. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Good beer and good bourbon. To you. Bye.
This has been a Top Gallant Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topgallantradio.com.